welcome to the Supergirl Supercast, a part of the incomparable family of podcasts. I'm Trisha Yim. I'm Jess Vieter. I'm Brianna Toiber. And I'm David Schaub. Before we get started talking about today's episode of Supergirl, we need to acknowledge something that's happening in the real world, not the show world, which is that on Friday, Warner Brothers announced that it had uh, suspended Andrew Kreisberg, an executive producer on the CW's Arrow, Supergirl, The Flash, and Legends of Tomorrow. It has opened an investigation into allegations of sexual harassment. Nineteen sources have uh, mentioned incidents including sexualized comments and touching without permission. Kreisberg has denied this. Berlanti Productions uh, issued a statement signed by Greg Berlanti and Sarah Schechter saying that the allegations are deeply troubling and we are encouraging and fully cooperating with the investigation. So this is uh, sad news. Um, It's distressing news. Unfortunately, there appears to be a whole lot of this going on in the entertainment industry, and of course, in business and politics as well. David, I believe um, you were going to discuss the TV talk machine episode that talked about this recently. I just wanted to mention that this week on the incomparable show, The TV Talk Machine, episode 153, Jason and Tim spent a fair bit of time discussing very similar events that have been happening in the entertainment industry. They didn't mention this one because I think it was happened just after the recording. They had ended hoping that they wouldn't hear more of them, and then this happened. That was unfortunate. But if some people wanted to listen to a longer discussion about this subject, uh, they certainly did cover it fairly well. So, Jessica or Brianna, do either of you have anything to add to that on your thoughts? Uh, I've only read a little bit about it, uh, and... You know, I mean, he sort of categorically denied everything, but there is such an incredible amount of uh, people who spoke out against it that it seems, um, yeah, it seems like this is probably a thing that happened and um, regularly happens and people have been putting up with it for years and... Uh, and now it's going to stop. And that's the good thing. Well, I personally haven't experienced harassment like that. I know people who have, and I think part of it is indicative of a issue of respect, which is a whole other topic we could get into. But it makes me sad that it's still happening, but it does make me feel better that people are being more and more willing to speak out and take action against such occurrences. So maybe it'll change. Well, I think we all hope that. Yes, definitely. As for how this reflects on the show, it's certainly going to be on my mind when I rewatch episodes from season one and two. It's certainly a relief that he has been suspended, and um, we will hope that things improve for everyone involved in the show. Yeah, for sure. Okay. (laughs) So um, let's talk about last week's episode now. This is season three, episode five, Damage. And David, I believe you have a recap for us. Take it away. Here's the recap. A plot. 
Morgan Edge gives kids lead poisoning to discredit Lena. Lena is almost broken, thinking that she might be living up to her Luther name. Sam and Kara work together and figure out Morgan's horrific plan. Lena goes to kill Morgan, but is captured and put on a doomed plane that will poison the city. Supergirl helps Lena choose to save herself, and they win. Morgan isn't in jail for reasons beyond me. B-plot. Alex and Maggie go through a realistic, painful, and complicated breakup. Kara then tells Alex she's taking Alex home. C-plot. Sam gets more evidence that she has superpowers. Yeah, that, that was a pretty interesting twist at the end of the episode. So I, for one, was delighted to see that there appeared to be fallout from the lead bomb in the season two finale. Of course, I, I don't want kids to get lead poisoning, even on the show. But, uh, you know, we were howling about the bad science <laughs> of the lead bomb <laughs> uh, when we recapped it before. Um you know, it's it's a there there was a bomb that went out into the atmosphere all over the city that supposedly was safe because it bonded preferentially to daxamite particles. <laughs> uh, so so yeah, I mean, apparently that still happened to be true because it did turn out that it wasn't really lead from the lead bomb. It was some polysyllabic chemical that acted like lead that Morgan had put into the water in a, in a school swimming pool. Um. <laughs> because he's so determined to prove that he has better than Lena, that he is willing to poison small children to make a point. Yeah, talk about your cardboard villains. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, even even Rhea was more more believable than this guy. Although, you know, certainly there are evil people out there who are willing to hurt other people to make a buck. Hmm. <laughs> I am really shocked they actually didn't just pretend the entire lead bomb didn't happen. I was amazed that this actually came up and they tried to use it as a plot. And they, they tried a little bit here and there to explain it and throw some big words at it and make it sound reasonable, but wow. But I, I think all this really showed is so far we've had Morgan with a plan to launch rockets at the city and Morgan with a plan to poison the city. I don't quite understand if he understands what a job of making money in the city means. <laughs> Yeah, it's like evil, 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 question mark, profit? <laughs> yes, the thing is, we don't know exactly what he wants or what he's trying to accomplish. Like, is he trying to destroy the city so he can play the hero? Or what is going on in that head of his? It's driving me... I, I, we don't know. I don't know. He, he seems to be single-mindedly attacking Lena at this point. Um, and I guess Supergirl, uh, but it, yeah, there is no, there doesn't seem to be a particular reason or point to it or long-term plan. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting the way he tried to gaslight Lena and make her, you know, he wasn't just trying to convince the public that she had done this. He was trying to convince her. He said that, you know, she was so gung-ho to be a hero that she ended up poisoning all these kids, even 
when they were having a private conversation. And it didn't seem like he was talking for the benefit of a mic. He was just trying to make her feel bad. Probably because he knew that if she was broken and she was convinced that it was her fault, she would not attack him and then start investigating him and figure out the connection between him and the chemical that was poisoning the kids. And in fact, that did kind of happen in a way. She was uh, uh, being alone, sad in the dark and drinking. Um, and uh, uh, it was uh, Sam and, and Kara uh, who were doing the investigating. So once again, proving the value of a good friend's network. And I like how this show does that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, I really do like Sam. Like Sam and uh, Kara's little team up was was very cool. I liked it a lot. Sam just comes off as exceptionally capable at doing things, and that's always just nice to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I love the like I love the bond that's starting to form between Sam and Kara because we both know that there's more connecting them than they realize, but it's nice seeing them becoming friends and bonding just as people. They had that little moment where they both said, oh, you're adopted too? Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we we, uh, we are pretty sure in show terms that that's actually, they're, they're both aliens too, but nice to have just that little moment on its own. Yeah, so they, in a way, they're like parallels of each other. Mm-hmm. So they could end up being character foils. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I can accept Morgan and the other, you know, uh, two-dimensional villains if it means having one, I'm going to put air quotes around villain, who um, is complicated and complex and uh, is more than just, I hate you, so I'm going to destroy you. (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of like they're setting up Edge to be a red hair, like they're setting up all these two-dimensional villains to be a sort of red herring for the actual villain that's going to pop up in the end connected to it all that we're all sitting here wondering like who's really going to be the villain is it going to be someone connected to edge or is it going to be something connected to sam i think it's a scary question as to what would drive sam to be a villain in this show there isn't much there that's villainous and unfortunately the only thing really that i could imagine would be something happening to ruby which is a bit mm. disconcerting, but it wouldn't be entirely surprising given the flow of the season so far. Hmm. Yeah, they did kind of hint at that when Lita straight up asked her, like, if Ruby had gotten sick, would you still be helping me? And mm-hmm. Sam just didn't answer. Right. That's true. That's a good point. I would like if we could pull back to uh, some of the things that happened earlier in the episode. I did want to just give sure. one shout out to the initial setup, which was really just a setup for Kara and Alex discussing that the breakup is going to happen tomorrow. But I did like this scene where Supergirl stops the bus, Supergirl gets in the bus, and Alex beats everyone up and Supergirl does nothing else and to bring in all of the prisoners that were doing the hijacking. Yeah, that was a pretty epic team up. Yeah, Yeah, and I do like that they didn't feel... The need to give us a whole lot of setup on, you know, this is what's happening with the van and everything. They just did it real, really quick. But, you know, we didn't need to know more than that about that particular subplot. Also, from a budget perspective, having 
see Kara Supergirl stop the van from the inside where we don't have to do many special effects at all was very efficient. <laughs> yes. Yeah, speaking of Alex, you know, taking care of the prisoners there, I just want to mention this is a good show for ordinary people doing or at least non-superpowered people doing heroic things. Mm -hmm. So you have Alex uh, being badass on the bus. You have James taking a bullet uh, for Lena um, when there's there's uh, the moment where um, there's going to be a press conference and the crowd is shouting, lock her up, Ugh. lock her up. And <laughs> uh, Lena, um, you know, appears and starts to say that she's stepping down from Catco and El Corp, but uh, shots are fired. And uh, Kara catches one bullet, but not all of them. And uh, James is also, you know, James is heroic there. And uh, you have Lena being pretty heroic. Well, she's not heroic when she confronts Morgan on her own with a gun and says she's going to kill him. That wasn't heroic. But what I'm talking about is in the plane where she realizes what's going on. She jams the release mechanism so they can't just drop the chemical bombs. And when the plane snaps in half, um, when Supergirl tries to stop it from falling, you know, she tells Supergirl, let me go, save, you know, save the chemicals, meaning saving, save the city from the chemicals. Uh, that was heroic too. Um, and then, you know, you have, uh, Sam with her mad database skills and <laughs> doing the investigation with Kara. So I really like that uh, other people besides Supergirl were allowed to shine on this episode. And another thing I like that they've been doing with Lena's character is that, yes, she's extremely driven and ambitious and motivated. She's an excellent businesswoman, but she is also more than willing to lay all of that aside if it's for the better of other people. She's willing to, she was willing to accept the consequences for something that she didn't, when she didn't know if she did it or not. Mm -hmm. And like, she, she's willing to put the needs of everyone else before herself. She'd be willing to sacrifice herself. So it's right. show, it, it shows just how different she is from the rest of her family when being like the rest of the loose Luther's is probably one of her biggest fears. Right, right. So first she's willing to sacrifice her career, uh, where she's willing, you know, saying she's going to step down from Catco and Ilcorp. And and Kara, uh, once again, demonstrates that she is not a journalist at heart because her reaction to that is the very personal, no, it'll make you look guilty, not... Yes, Catco really needs to not have its CEO that's accused of uh, of poisoning children while we're investigating the story of poisoning children. Yeah, that, that, that's a big ethical problem in the journalism world. <laughs> Speaking of as a journalism major, you, you can't really have the person that's been accused of poisoning the city working with you when you're investigating the person that poisoned the kids. Yep. And yep. also, the, another thing I'd like to point out, just as a journalist, in the beginning of the episode when Lena and James were having the conversation about ads being disguised as articles, that right. is actually a thing that happens. And oh, yeah. we've, mm -hmm. we've talked about it in several of my journalism classes, and it's ethically questionable because you're not representing the truth 
if you're having something disguised as an article that's an ad. So right, you'll usually have your advertorials have like like a a tiny fine print thing somewhere on the side of it saying advertorial yeah. or whatever acknowledging it but most people who still read newspapers a lot of them you know would not be looking at the fine print and would just see what appears to be a legit article uh with without much indication that it's actually paid content yeah it's the big time ethical issue on the plus side i like that scene also because it does give us a window where we're seeing Lena being a business person and being pragmatic from a business and money perspective, and James doing mm -hmm. his job as a journalist handling news and ethics and that aspect. So it was unlike the previous episodes where they seem to be, be bouncing against each other's heads, this showed them clearly having different roles and roles that made sense for the characters. Yes, yeah. yes, that's true. And it looks like they're going to be easing the tensions somewhat after after uh, Lena says, well, you took a bullet for me, you can call me by my first name now. And James says, uh, people call me James or Jimmy, which, as far as I can remember, is the first time that he's been called Jimmy on this show. That's a yeah. good point. I don't think he's been called Jimmy very often in this show. I think it may have came up when he first showed up. Yeah, I was going to say, I think they specifically addressed it in the first episode. And I think they oh, did they? Okay. They, I think they said that he or something about how he doesn't want to be called Jimmy. He wants to be called James. Okay. Um, but that was a long time ago. And I don't remember the specifics. Yeah, it's a thing with <laughs> nicknames. You get called one long enough, you miss people calling you by your first name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, one more thing on reporting before we go away from that. Uh, when Lena was stepping down and she told James that she wanted his best reporter on this story, I was saying, don't pick Kara, don't pick Kara, don't pick Kara. Because <laughs> there's a conflict of interest there. Right. Plus, also, I hope she's... even without a conflict of interest, I hope that Disappearing Girl is, is not their best reporter. Right. <laughs> yeah, nothing against Kara, but she doesn't have as much experience reporting. To be fair, with someone else on sabbatical, there are no other reporters at Kako, as far as we are aware. <laughs> right. In that case, do they really need the distinction of put your, your best reporter on this if they only have one? <laughs> Maybe they have some interns or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they have other reporters, or they might have, at least in the past, when like since she became a reporter, started hiring on a couple of others that have experience. So it's not just yeah. one person that just picked this up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're there. They're just in, they just don't ever, you know, make an appearance or they don't have names. They're just kind of milling around in the background, set dressing. Exactly. So I thought it was really interesting that they chose to have the the shooter at the press conference be a woman. Uh, <laughs> that. I, I'm I'm not sure how I feel about it because, I mean, mass killers, or I guess she's not a mass killer. She's just a sniper. She's just a trying to kill one person in a crowd. Um, but yeah, they're almost always men. Well, it was a nice little bit of misdirection that um, Kara was in the crowd and she saw a guy with a gun in his pocket. I think that's what happened. And uh, that would that would help explain why she didn't react to the gunshots from the woman as quickly as she might have in another episode. 
Yeah, because they, they showed that guy earlier, but I think he actually had a phone in his pocket. Oh, is that what yeah, it was? Yeah, he okay. was reaching in his pocket and she used the x-ray vision. And I think it was just a phone and that's why she relaxed. That's why she kept looking to see where she heard the sound from. Okay. I think on my second viewing, what it looked to me was that Kara heard a gun or she thought she might have heard a gun. She looked around, she saw the guy with the phone in the pocket, and then she calmed down, but maybe she didn't hear a gun. I don't know. It was a little it was a little unclear. So Yeah, but it was definitely a you know, she suspected the angry guy who came in and yelled at Lena, uh, which makes some sense. And then she and then he was in the crowd, so she was suspicious of him, and that makes some sense that you know, that it would distract her from the real person. Um, but yeah, it's interesting choice. I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess, I guess, uh, feminism works in all directions, you know. <laughs> also, she, she, it was an upset mom. It was a distraught mother. It was a good way to show what a mom would, might be willing to do if her child was in danger. Especially if someone with the last name Luther was tied to what is, Killing her child, given what the last Luther did. It makes sense yeah. that people would be more willing to rush to judgment, which is something Lena's been having to deal with. Mm-hmm. That's true. And it, oh, I was just going to say that might be like a, a foreshadowing of uh, Sam and Ruby, you know, w- right. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe something will happen where sh- that will be her. <laughs> She'll be pushed to the edge. Right. When uh, Morgan was mocking Supergirl for being too goody-goody to actually, you know, kill an enemy or anything, he said, uh, you capes don't have what it takes, and told her to leave and let the cleaning crew enjoy the show. And I I just loved that cleaning crew moment. But moving on from that, uh, the capes, in, uh, you capes don't have what it takes, um, meaning you superpowered people with your stupid ethical codes, I guess, is what he was talking about. Uh, we might, yeah, what we might see from Sam would be, again, I'm hoping she doesn't just turn into a total villain. I'm hoping that she is a, a complex person, character, um, and that, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Having something happen to Ruby or threaten Ruby uh, would certainly be one way to make her go over the edge and do something extreme. Yeah, that moment made me uh, nervous a little bit just because I'm worrying. I worry that I hope Kara's not going to be put in a situation where she's going to have to decide whether or not she's going to take someone's life because I feel like that's a thing that happens a lot in in these superhero. Mm -hmm. You know, they have to decide whether or not killing is a thing they're going to do. And if it is, what's the line? And that's very complicated and I feel like very dark, and I'm not sure how well that'll fit in with the show. So yeah, they they are sort of exploring that territory, though. I mean, uh, Lena also had the conversation with with Kara, where she said, "You know, you want to believe everyone is, is nice and the world is nice, and that's part of why I I love you, but that's not the real world." She said mm-hmm. um, something like that. And, you know, part of the reason I think we enjoy the show is that it casts a bright, optimistic view 
if not necessarily of how the world is, of how people can work together and and uh, work for a better world. Um, and but but yeah, you have to acknowledge that there's darkness out there too. And back to the sort of Sam and Sam and Ruby thing, because at the end of the episode, there was a thing of like where Ruby's like, "I like your friends," and Sam says something along the lines of like. I like them too, almost as much as I love you, or something similar mm-hmm. to that. So that made me think that this episode might be going towards a point where she's got Sam is going to be faced with the choice of my daughter or my friends, and that's that mm. that could be a really scary moment, especially if she is sort of the antithesis of Kara. It's like. Being forced to make that decision, what is that going to push her to? It feels like a lot of the season is touching on two things, which are children and religious faith. And it seems that both of those are, I'm confident, going to come into play later on in the season. And it might be a little more dark than we'd like, but it might be well done, too, given how the season's going so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Has there been other discussion of... Faith, aside from that one episode that talked about Rao and worshipping Supergirl. There was some discussion of the Martian faith Mm -hmm. in that that episode, but that's those are the two biggest that I've noticed. I think we had a little bit about Daxamite beliefs, but they didn't play a major plot point, I don't think. So... We've, we've kind of thrashed out the A and C plots. I want to talk about the B plot for a little while. And that is, while James took a bu- bullet for Lena, it appears that Maggie is dodging a bullet because we were all afraid when we knew she wasn't, you know, a, a, a regular cast member for this season that uh, CW might be planning to kill her off, which would have been horrible in itself and also for falling into the kill your gaze trope. Um, and uh, that would have been extremely distressing. Um, but instead, I think we are not going to get that because we've gotten an, an interesting issues-based breakup uh, between Maggie and Alex. And... Um, uh, it's sad, but it felt true to each of their characters, and I am pretty impressed with how they did it. I, uh, I'm sold, and I'm happy with it. Yeah, me too. And I'm even impressed with, so the whole division happens because Alex has decided that she wants to have kids, and Maggie does not want to have kids. And it's very usual, common for television shows to, I don't know, to sort of, I don't know, I guess the norm is the traditional family with children and a dog and a house in the suburbs and all that stuff. Like, they automatically assume that every couple in a media-related story program is going to want to have kids. Exactly, yeah. So it's really interesting that not only did, not only was Maggie upfront about the fact that she didn't want children, they treated it as totally normal and not as an, oh my God, can you believe this sort of thing? It was like, no, this is a thing. This is how she feels. Like they didn't even make a big deal out of it. And I I found that interesting and um, progressive. I think that, I think progressive. Yeah. 
not even Alex was trying to make her feel bad for wanting to feel that way. Yeah. She she was just trying to make it so that she could have both both Maggie and kids. Um but she wasn't shaming Maggie for not being a proper woman or anything exactly. horrible like that. Yeah, and there and there was absolutely no uh, neither of them tried to convince the other, which was also refreshing. I think that I feel like that happens a lot in television shows, and um, I'm really glad they stayed away from it. I I actually feel like, in a way, in some of the scenes, like Maggie was trying to sort of put push to see if she could convince Alex to stay with her, and sort of like showing her, like, "Hey, see, this we're great together." So. Why do we need kids? Do you really need to hold on to this dream about having kids? I think at one point she even referred to it as stupid when she was talking about why does it have to end this way? You could interpret the the breakup sex, though sweet and sad, as being an attempt for Maggie to try and do that last-ditched attempt to try and convince Alex. And I don't think she said anything about Alex as being stupid. I just, from her perspective, Alex was trying to give up something tangible like they are in a relationship alex might not go have kids that is sort of this idea that alex has and it's a perfectly valid idea and from maggie's perspective how do you how do you give up something that exists to something that might exist and of course for alex it's worth it it's necessary yeah i definitely interpret it as like just a sort of desperate thing that you say in in those moments when you're soul is being crushed <laughs> when uh you know this is like this whole situation is stupid not yeah. that specifically alex is stupid the the phrasing of like the phrasing was something along the lines of like how can it end this way over something so stupid the stu- the stupid thing being the sort of debate of kids or no kids yeah i think the words were something along the lines of maggie saying you know are you sure you want to give this up for some notion of being a mom And Alex said, you know, it's not just a notion. uh, It's been important to me forever. I would have preferred if that were true for this to have come up at some point before in the show. Or, you know, to be discussed before they had their DJ versus band argument. Um, (laughs) But I guess uh, they were both just riding on their assumptions, Alex, that they would have a kid someday, and uh, Maggie, that uh, things would go on as they were. And people do make assumptions, for sure. I buy it in that uh, I feel like until she met Maggie, Alex was not at all interested in relationships, uh, presumably because she was gay but not really acknowledging it um but she i think she said somewhere along the line that she this is just not something she ever thought about not not kids specifically but like relationships um it just wasn't in her wheelhouse until she met maggie so i can see where she would like ramp up the idea in the past year or so that they've known each other yeah so i don't know it's you're right there probably should have been some sort of (laughs) indication before you know, two episodes ago, or whatever it was. Right. But that aside, you know, all the writing on this particular thread uh, plotline arc has been really good, I think. Um, and the acting has, has also really sold me on uh, on their dilemma. Absolutely. I really did appreciate the one-off line where they say that they've been talking about it for days. And since the one thing we never yes. see is these people talking about things, 
that was very nice that they made reference that they really have had a deep conversation about this. And then that was really happy to see. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciated that too. So it, yep. it also emphasizes the importance of trying to work out your problems before you just say, nope, not going to work. We can't be together. They spent days talking, probably in circles, trying mm-hmm. to see if there's a way that they could both be happy, but both of them are determined, Maggie, to not have kids and Alex to be a mom, that if that was so important to them that neither of them was willing to let it go. Yeah, at first I was a little put off that they didn't show the, like, the big confrontation scene between, you know, when Alex finally admitted to Maggie that she wants kids and that it's important to her, and, and you know, important enough that she thinks that they should break off the relationship. Um, they didn't show that. And, at, you know, at first I was a little disappointed. And then, I, you know the way it shook out in this episode made me realize that one, do I really want to see that fight? Actually, no. <laughs> and, and two, you know, showing that the tail end of this several day long conversation that they've been having was a really sweet, nice way to do it, to, you know, to wind down the relationship. Yeah. I would definitely prefer seeing the end of the fight than the beginning of the, of the argument. Yeah. Yeah, because the end of the fight is when they're, they've gotten to the point where they're actually listening to each other instead of mm-hmm. just being on their high horses. Because sometimes when you confront right. someone with something that they don't necessarily agree with, it takes a while to get them to stop being defensive and to see what you mean. Yeah. Probably my favorite scene in this subplot is the scene where Alex and Maggie do say goodbye and the one thing which I don't think you often get on TV which is they thanked each other for how they had each helped each other grow and become stronger oh, yeah, people that was and I was, nice. I was amazed by that it was that was just such a nice thing to add on at the end there it was yeah it was a beautiful moment and it makes me want to like see a scene later on where like maybe like Alex has found someone and they have kids and they're all happy and Maggie has found someone she's happy and they just happen to walk by each other and they just it could be something as simple as just like a fond, a fond smile and be like oh that was just an old friend of mine or just one of those sort of sweet moments where they both see that things did work out but they still care for each other in a way that would be so normal. I don't know if they'll do that. It would be nice if they did. It would be cute. But we'll we'll see if they decide to do that. Maybe they'll listen to this and get an idea. I don't know. <laughs> well, I would certainly like to see Maggie some more. I hope that the end of the relationship is not the end of seeing Maggie and seeing police interactions. Um, uh, you know, I... I don't know whether the actress doesn't want to be involved with the show anymore or if they're trying to economize on characters or what, but I, I think Maggie is a great character and um, I, I hope that we get to see her pop on the scene every once in a while. Um, yeah. I, you know, I'd like to see her continuing her existence on the show, even if it's only, you know, on quick little bits mm-hmm. And another thing related to this that I loved seeing was how 
when Kara saw how upset Alex was, she's like, she was willing to drop everything for a couple of days, even dropping Supergirl for a couple of days so she could take her sister home and take care of her. So it's it's almost like the roles are reversed in a way because it's usually Alex taking care of Kara, but now it's Kara's turn to help her She tries, as she gets through this. Yeah. I'm really curious about next week's episode. You know, mm-hmm. the, rebuild, the rebuilding of Alex, I think, is going to be very interesting. I suppose this would be an opportunity for an episode without Supergirl on it. <laughs> I doubt we'll see that, but uh, you know how I like the character, the other characters to be brought yeah. out once in a while. Yeah, I the would, below decks of I would... Supergirl. <laughs> it, it, it has been proven that John Jones can pass as Supergirl if needed. <laughs> that's I right that so much that's it if, if they need to he can pretend to be her to give people hope while Kara's taking care of the most important thing to her which is her sister yeah so should we talk about how awful the science is in this episode or should we just ignore it oh come on we can talk about hydromorphic carbon nitrate compounds that pretend to be lead poisoning. <laughs> How can you not want to talk about that? I feel like we could de- dedicate wanna... an entire episode to the problems with the science of this show. I love this technology where you can send water samples through the internet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless that thing's like a little miniature transmatter portal, I'm calling crap on that. So Kara has a spectrograph in her cell phone or something and <laughs> sent, sent, <laughs> sent that to him. Uh, I'm pretty sure if anyone could create it, when could with the technology that they have as a DEO, but still kind of feels like they just made up its existence for that one episode. <laughs> yeah. It was a nice... Um, lampshade though i've had this thing sitting around for a while just hoping to use it <laughs> like i knew this would be useful it seemed wor- worthless but i told you it would be useful because someone would need it for this exact <laughs> thing and then it's never going to be mentioned again yeah and then they were talking about reading medical files of these all these children and i'm like that's so many hipaa violations how are you doing <laughs> exactly it's just like there's no way doctors gave that to you unless you got signed permission from the parents, maybe. And the amount of paperwork that would be involved with getting that information. If you know how to use a computer, that means you know how to hack into databases. That's just the way of computers. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Like, with when I would believe it, but I don't know. I have to admit, I really would have liked had they decided that they wanted to test the pool before breaking into the swimming pool for no real reason. There's this odd thing where they break into the pool, they look around and say, hey, maybe we should test the pool water. Maybe had you wanted to test the pool water, it would have justified breaking into a pool. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they just skip some steps. It's, (laughs) I mean, it could be the, like, getting permission to go visit a public area in, I don't know. I guess they're just deciding what's interesting to watch and what isn't and, and just kind of sweeping the not so interesting stuff away. Uh, but sometimes it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I have a bad habit of the more I love a certain watching a certain thing, the more I'll just sit there and pick it apart. It's why people don't like watching movies with me. 
In a non-science question, how did everyone feel about when Lena finds out that it wasn't her, she pulls a gun on Morgan? That, I'm not sure because on the one hand, I was like, on the one hand, I felt like it was a very strong move, (laughs) a very like bold, brassy thing to do. But on the other hand, it's like morally reprehensible. (laughs) So I'm conflicted. I was concerned because I'm sitting there like, Lena, your Luther is showing. Because we. Yes, exactly. We've confirmed that she is part Luther. Yeah. But like, like Luther's half sister. Yeah, since she had been forced for at least 24 hours into believing that she was no better than the rest of her family, I think she might have still been in that mindset. So she might have been stuck in that mindset until Supergirl told her that she was going to have to climb and then going to have to jump. So maybe yeah. that leap of faith brought her back to who she really is instead of well, the, the the confrontation with the gun happened before the plane yeah. bit, right? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I I mean I think she was also a little bit drunk, <laughs> and you know when you drink inhibitions. Just <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a little bit is an understatement. She was. <laughs> she some, was you know, some people get weepy, some people get homicidal. Yes. She was practically <laughs> melting into the countertop. I think she was a little drunk. More than a little drunk. The show really does like its red wine. The people are uh, mm-hmm. drinking large glasses of red wine to destroy themselves. People are drinking glasses of red wine soon after to congratulate winning there's a lot of red wine and nice large glasses in this show it's more aesthetically appealing than white wine i guess also it's less likely to be confused with grape juice or water yeah yes this is a really good episode i enjoyed it i think the faithful is still my favorite so far of this season that one was pretty incredible yeah it's been a really good season so far. I'm really excited to see what ha- what comes up next. Me too. Me too. The plot with Maggie and Alex, everything in there was pretty much wonderful. But yeah, everything plotting about Morgan, it was just so out there that it was hard to take too seriously. Yeah. As I said, it makes you wonder what exactly is it that he wants. <laughs> and why exactly is he so angry that he didn't get Catco? Well, I hope they show us sometime. We certainly haven't seen enough motivation for it so far, other than him being frustrated that he hasn't gotten a thing that he wants. Um, I'm I'm kind of hoping for a big dramatic reveal that it's connected to something else that's really sinister. And, but we'll see. I just wanted to mention one other oddity in this episode, in that we're getting remarkably inconsistent car powers again. A few episodes ago, Kara flew a submarine, presumably weighing thousands of tons, out of the water. And in this episode, she had difficulty holding a plane, which would weigh about 30. So there's oddities. The show does not seem to want to give us anything consistent. And I know no superhero show is very consistent, but that's pretty extreme within a few episodes. Yeah, that is a good point. I mean, on the one hand, I loved watching her. With that submarine, I thought that was an incredible visual. <laughs> but on the other hand, I really liked seeing her struggle because that's uh, with no struggle, it's not interesting anymore. And to and to have to you know to force Lena to 
to suck it up and and um, help herself was a great moment. And it could have been a different sub. Didn't she like go underneath and push the submarine up as opposed to like having to pull the plane up? That that could have been the difference. She was having trouble sort of getting a good grip on a plane that's ripped in half. I'm not going to try and find a Watsonian yeah. solution here. I think the Doyleist answer is definitely <laughs> the right one. <laughs> both scenes are great in their own ways. They don't make any sense, but they are both great scenes in their own ways. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you just have to ignore certain things. Yeah, and one of the things that I didn't mention earlier, but um, would like to bring up, is that I appreciate that they outright mentioned Flint when they were talking about, you know, the water being right. poisoned and all that. That was... Um, Again, they try very hard to be progressive, and it's often extremely ham-handed. But, you know, it's nice that there are shows that are trying to reference these things and not just explain them away or, you know, or tying them. things into the real world is, is appreciated. Yeah. Yes. I, I almost it. wonder if they got some flack for the season finale and realized, really, we can't be this blind to what's going on in other places. And they needed to do something about it. Yeah, I always wondered how releasing a bunch of lead particulates into the atmosphere was supposed to not hurt people. I'm like, I feel like changing the contents of the atmosphere would have very big repercussions on everything. Yeah, and and also they said something like, you know, I don't think they said lead is harmless to humans, but they said something like that. And I was like, that's not true. There's this thing <laughs> called lead poisoning. It's special Daxamite-only lead. <laughs> that's definitely how lead works. And another thing that I liked that just, you know, this is just a personal quirk of mine, is that um, in the scene where Alex and Maggie are packing up and and it's very sad, like sad music is playing, and it's very gray, and they're both very sad, <laughs> Um, and then Alex picks up the phone and changes the song. Uh, so it's uh, diege diegetic music, diegesic music, which I love. I love it when that when television shows do that. I'm just a sucker for that trick. I'm just a sucker for Cindy Lauper. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> just it's it, I'm I'm a huge music person, so. Just changing a song can have a huge impact, especially if you're changing which song you have stuck in your head. Mm -hmm. Okay, so is that pretty much all the points that everybody wanted to hit? I think I'm good. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, I would like to thank all of us <laughs> for being on uh, the show tonight and sharing our thoughts. I want to thank The Incomparable for hosting us. I want to thank all of our listeners. Um, if you would like to join in on our conversations or continue it, uh, there's a Facebook gro group for The Incomparable, and uh, uh, there's also the Slack channels for the paid subscribers. We'd love to hear from you. 